the Gospel of John, chapter 17, the scripture says this. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, I keep them, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. John chapter 17. Good morning. A couple weeks ago, I was partying hard on a Saturday. Um, it was a children's birthday party I went to. And, uh, and you always get into like really good discussions with people when you tell them, like, you're a pastor. And people ask, well, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a pastor. And people are always like, oh. You know, that could go, like, a variety of different ways. And so I got into a conversation with this nice gentleman, and we were just talking. He was like, yeah, I used to go to church when I was younger. 
He's like, but I don't too much anymore. I'm more into like meditation now. And, um, and then he's like, uh, and we just started talking even more. And he was like, you know, yeah, I used to work with this guy who was Hindu. And he, he was just the, the, the nicest guy in the world. Like nobody can tell me that like we all don't believe in the same God. And I was like, yeah. I said, you know, I said, I think one of the things that, are, that is often lost today is just the ability to have dialogue with people. We get so angry and we don't even have a chance to just to sort of dialogue with them. I said, but you know, one of the things I realized in my life is as I've begun to dig a little deeper into each one is that um, they're, they're saying really different things. And so sometimes we, we make the assumption that it's all the same. At the end of the day, it's all the same, but they're really saying really different things. They can all be wrong but it's really hard for them to all be right because what they're saying. And so, you know, I think about uh, in Islam, one of the things that they said is many characteristics of God, and one of them is that God is loving. And so in Christianity, we say the same thing, but God is loving too. But then when you begin to dig a little deeper in the surface, one of the things that they say is, well, say not three. And what that means is don't say that there's three gods. And so right there, it's a little bit of a misunderstanding of what we believe in, in Christianity, which is it's not three gods. It's one God and three distinct persons. And so the question is, if God is by himself before creation and God is love, who is he loving? Because in order to love, there has to be an object of your love. And so what we say in Christianity is that in the Trinity, before creation, God, the Father, was loving the Son and the Holy Spirit in perfect unity and in perfect love. And so it's some of those things which are the, the differences that you begin to see as you begin to peel back the layers and look at what exactly do we believe. And so I oftentimes will, will, will come up here, and I like to start from the beginning. You guys know that. I always love starting like in the Garden of Eden, right? And, but now I want to start even before then. I want to go back to like pre-creation, right? And when you look at that, what you see is that this love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit explodes into creation. The love of them explodes, right? I think about, think about a couple that's married now and that they go and they have, they have a child. Why? Because they want their love is exploding into another being, another creation in whom they can love as the object of their love. And so you see that in the Trinity. That's where we came from. So we were created from their love. We were created for their love as objects of their love. And we were created as beings who go out and love. So we were created to love. But when you create someone in your image, you have to give them the ability to love, to choose to love. One of the best things is when I hear my daughter say to me, Daddy, I love you. Not because I've taught her to say that, not because I've forced her to say that, because she says it on her own free will. And she says, Daddy, I love you. So love gives a choice. And when you create someone to love, you also give them the choice to do what? to not love. There is the choice at the very beginning. Are you going to love me or are you not going to love me? Right? You see, God didn't create evil. He just left himself, left the door open to that possibility that we would reject him. And that was the decision that laid before us. And that's what happened. We looked at God and said, we don't need you. 
we can be gods on our own, and we can do it on our own. And we, so we've dealt with that. That's what humanity is dealing with right now, is that decision that we made to live without God. And so what we do is we go along in life trying to find fulfillment in everything else but God. We are trying to find everything, find fulfillment, and find life in everything but Him. Just fill in the blank with whatever it is in our lives that we're trying to fill ourselves with to try to find fulfillment. And so what we're looking at and what Brian was reading in John 17 is this high priestly prayer is that this is the night before Jesus is going to die and he's literally taking them to what it was like before creation. And he's trying to explain to them what was going on. And he's looking at it from the insight into his father and he and their relationship before the world was created. In essence, what he's doing is he's an, it's an invitation back into the relationship that we had lost from the very beginning. And that's what he's doing right now. And he's summarizing this right now. Everything in life comes down to this, love. I know it's an often overused term nowadays, but really it does come down to that. There was one decision they had in the garden. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you love me, you will obey what I say, right? And they said, no, we're going to do what we want to do. It was a love decision. And so I call this sermon an invitation to come home. It's an invitation to come home. And what I want you guys and what I want us to walk away with is to, to, know, the fa- to know the Father and invite others through our love into this oneness that was always there from the beginning, it's now being extended to us. And so what I want to do is take the same scripture but walk through it slowly because it's really deep what Jesus is saying. And oftentimes when we read through it, we just skip through. Jesus is saying really, really profound things that affect every area of our life and the way that we see life. And Jesus starts off because he's praised for three groups of people. In the first section, he's praying for himself. This is what he says. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So literally, the night before he's dying, he's talking about what was like in the beginning. And he's literally saying, Father, glorify me. Glorify means like to praise. Shine the spotlight. Father, shine the spotlight on me right now so that I can turn around and shine it back on you. Because you've given me authority over all flesh to give eternal life to those people that you've given me. Now, glorify me. Glorify me so that I can point people back to you. You see this relationship between the Father and the Son where they're giving glory to each other. The Father says, look at my Son. And the Son says, look at my Dad. That's what it was like before creation. And you see the same thing playing out. And so that's why Jesus is saying, before creation, this is what we were like. Let's do it again right now. And they're sharing in the glory. They're sharing responsibility because Jesus is saying, you gave them to me, Father. You gave me the responsibility of giving eternal life. And now I'm going to do it. 
and you've given me them. And Christ being obedient, saying, look, I've come and I'm done what you've told me to do. You sent me here to do this, God, and I've come to do it now. It's so different from how we live. I've shared with you guys before my previous job experience. So much of my life has happened in my last job. I'm like, I've been through so many ups and downs with that job. But I told you guys the one time we had like a sales meeting and I was getting like really, really angry because they were bringing people up on stage and saying, you know, this person hit their sales numbers here and, and this group is doing this great thing. And I was getting so angry because nobody was glorifying me. Like I was the only one in the training group and I wasn't getting any accolades from anybody. And so like as the meeting went on, I was just getting angrier and angrier. And ang nobody really knew because I had a facade like everything was great, but I was just so angry because nobody was giving me accolades. I was operating from emptiness. I needed accolades to fill me up, to make me feel better. And so what you see is the, the, with the father and the son, they have no problems giving accolades to one another and saying, look at my dad. And the father's saying, look at my son. In fact, I'm giving him authority over eternal life. And this, the sharing and love between them. And so Jesus is pointing back to that to start. And then he moves and prays for the next group of people. And he says in verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they've believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So he now goes and prays specifically for the disciples that are with him right now as he's praying. And what he's saying is, Father, I now pray for them. You know what? They believe me that I came from you. I gave them your words just like you told me, and I've told them, and now they believe that I came from you. God sent Jesus to represent him, and he's sharing exactly what the Father has told them, told him to them. And there's a sharing of responsibility that you see because God is giving the disciples to Jesus, and Jesus is sharing with them what is going on. They now believe that Jesus is true, and that he came from the Father. He's given them the exact words. And so he begins this part now praying for them, because he knows what's about to happen to them. Jesus is preparing them for their mission. He's preparing them for what he's about to do. So he says in verse 10, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. There's a sharing right there, right? And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 
I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. And so you see this continual sharing between the father and the son. And what he's literally saying to his dad is, I'm coming home. I'm coming home, and I've done what you've asked me to do, Father. Please keep them and watch them, because the world is going to hate them. How do I know? The world hated me because I'm not one of them, and they're becoming like us. Father, I pray that they would be one like you and I are one. The closest of relationship between the Father and Son, he's saying, I'm praying that they would be one too. And Father, I ask that you would make them holy like me by your word. The more they are in the word and God's word is living through them, they are going to become holy. And when they do, the world is going to hate them because it hated me. I'm going to set myself apart and die on the cross so that they can become like us. He's taking the mission, and now he's transferring it over to the disciples. And he's preparing them for what's about to happen to them as they become more and more like Christ. They're going to change into his image, and they're going to deal with hardships. But above all, what he says is, I pray that they would have my joy. That's life. Fulfillment in life is not from the more I grow in my job and more money I make, how, much, how many cars I have, how many vacations I have. It comes from fulfillment in knowing your heavenly Father. That's true joy. And until you understand that, you will always try to fill your life with other things. Trust me, I know. I'm telling you from experience. And so Jesus goes from praying for himself. He now prays for his disciples and transferring the mission to them. And he knows what's going to happen to them. And then the last section is when he goes and he begins praying for all believers, which is us. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they may also be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made them known to your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. And now he prays for us. And he was saying, Father, what I pray for them is that they may be one like we are one. And he's saying is when we are one, when we love one another, people will then know that Christ came from God. When he says, Father, you are in me, I in you, and I in them, 
You see, he's inviting us into that relationship. He's going to live his life through us and love other people through us. That's what Jesus is saying. And what he's saying is, Father, I pray that one day they would be with me in heaven, that they would see the glory that you gave me because you love me, that they may see that one day. Jesus is praying, and this circle of love that was there before creation is expanding. And he's using the disciples to then go out, and he says, and anybody who believes through their word gets invited into this circle of love. This is what he's praying about. He's trying to take us to be like, this is what it's always been about. You know, I look at my own life, and I realize, and just to be honest, I, I, I don't, I struggle with loving. I struggle with loving people. I've always struggled. And one of the main reasons is because I've lived my life empty. I've been empty. Because I've, I would always fill myself up with these little things that would give me just enough, but then I was always so worried about what other people thought that would suck the life out of me. And so I realize now is I need help loving. And what Jesus is saying is he's inviting us back into that love relationship so that we would then go out and love other people. This is what Jesus is saying in this high priestly prayer. Sometimes we can get very theological with all this. What he's trying to say is it's been about love. It's always been about love. That's what this whole thing is about. That's why we're standing here today. It's about love. And he's literally saying is, Father, now glorify me. Lift me up so that I can point people back to you. I've told them what you've told me to tell them. I'm just praying for them. Watch over them. Guard them and protect them because as they become more and more like us, the world is going to hate them. But I pray that you would give them my joy in the midst of it. And not just them, everyone that's going to believe through them too. May they become one like you and I, Father, are one. That's what Jesus is praying. The question is how is he going to do it? When he says, glorify me, shine the spotlight on me, you know, you look at the relationship that was lost in the very beginning. We had a love relationship with the Father, with God. That was lost. And it's God's love that keeps moving toward us to bring us back to that. He's loving us through his Son. The challenging part, and you guys can attest to this, is when you move toward people in love in a sinful world, more than likely you are going to suffer. Who was more loving than Christ? And what did they do to him? They put him up on a cross and they killed him. And so when I think of the cross, I think of two words. One is crucifixion. It was the absolute worst type of, uh, was it, like, punishment that anybody could go through at that time. The Romans wouldn't even do it to their own people. It was humiliating to be up there on a cross. So you think of humiliation, and you also think of the word excruciating, which comes from the Latin word excruciatus, which means out of the cross. It means pain. And so now, here is Jesus saying, Father, glorify me. And how did he choose to do it? Through humiliation and pain. That was what he chose to point people to himself. 
to glorify him through his humiliation and through his pain. Why? Because it was the love of the Father that sent his Son to die on the cross for us. It's a love story. This whole thing is a love story. And it was God trying to get us back to what we lost in the very beginning. But now you begin to understand and it makes sense as we're going through John and the things that the Bible says in Hosea, in, in the Old Testament, God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire the knowledge of God, not burnt offerings. You're more concerned with doing religious rituals. I just want mercy and love. You're putting more emphasis in the rituals than you are in the relationship. Now it makes sense when Jesus would get angry at the Pharisees because they would take the law and they would just beat people over the head with it and tell them you're wrong. They don't have love for people. They just want to tell you you're wrong. Now it makes sense, as Brian said a couple weeks ago when he was like, when Jesus says a new commandment I give you, it's not a brand new one. He's saying this is what it's always been. If you love one another, then people will know you're my disciples. He's saying this is what it's always been, love. The first two commandments, to love the Lord your God and to love others. As I love God more, he changes me and he begins to love, live his life through me of love. And so I naturally begin to go out and share the love with others, right? One of the most beautiful things is when we see people come to the church and they begin to grow and they begin to invite their neighbors or their coworkers, right? How can I keep this love? How do I keep it to myself? I don't tell anybody else. It's one of the hardest things when I hear Christians say, I believe that my faith is for myself. I thank God that Jesus didn't keep it to himself. As he's living his life through me, I can't help but want to go and share that with other people and share the good news with other people. That's the first two commandments. And now it makes sense as Jesus is in the garden and he's going and he's in agony. Why? Because his father has left him. He has been with his father forever. And his father has now departed from him and he's by himself. Jesus was alone in the garden to undo what we lost in the garden to bring us back home. How was he going to do it? Through the humiliation and the pain of the cross. He died so that we would be forgiven of our sins. We turned from God in the beginning and said, we don't need you. And when you look around us today, we're dealing with the repercussions of our choice to try to be God's. And he invites us back into a relationship with himself. Jesus is talking about that relationship and saying, this was there before you guys even existed. In fact, this is where you came from. You came from love. You came for their love, and you came to love. Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. That was his love. So what does that mean for us? The first thing is this. You and I were created in his image. We were created to glorify God. We were created in his image. True fulfillment in life is when you connect back to the very reason you are sitting in that seat today. For love. From their love, for their love, and to go and to what? Love. The Father is loving us through his Son. And when you connect with that, life begins to make sense. And it changes how you live every day. Because everything else, everything else in life is a cheap imitation. I guarantee you, you will leave here today and you will try to fill yourselves with love from other people, 
with money, with things, with position, with power. I'll tell you right now, it's going to leave you empty. And until you find and connect back to the very reason you're here, that's why people on their deathbed, nobody says, I wish I spent more time at work. What do they say? I wish I spent more time with family and loved ones because they're finally making the connection back to why you're here in the first place. That is the joy Jesus is talking about, regardless of what happens in your life, that you have that joy. And so we were created in his image. And secondly, I move toward oneness. I will tell you guys right now, I, I am a horrible lover. I just don't do it well. And I'm asking for his help. We try to love and we fail. Or we don't even try. We don't feel comfortable with you loving me. And I don't feel comfortable trying to love you. And you come face to face with your sin. You know, I look back in my whole life and I realize now I was just living in emptiness. And so everything that I did, I operated from on empty. When I was in college, I would get upset because I wasn't getting accolades like the football players. Right? I needed that to fill myself. I needed, I needed to be filled through relationships. I needed to be filled with my job. Was I getting accolades at my job? Was I getting promoted at my job? I needed to be fulfilled in acting. What's worse than trying to, like, you know, you're out applying for these jobs, you're getting these jobs, and nobody's giving you a job. You feel awful about yourself. I constantly needed those little fill-ups, but they would only get you so far, and then you're empty again. And then you need to go find a fill-up somewhere else again. You know, I can't move toward Mike in love. Why? Because if I have to be honest with Mike of how he hurt me and he responds to me negatively, now he sucks the life out of me again. Right? I need a fill-up from him. So I need you to say something positive about me. I need you to say something positive about me at this, at this sermon right now. So I feel good about myself. I'm constantly looking for fill-ups from everything but him. And what Jesus says is when you understand your father's love and you're filled with his love, now I can move toward people and I don't need you to fill me up. I'm already filled. And I know that when I move toward people in a sinful world in love, I'm going to get hurt. We hurt each other. That's what we do. And Christ gives us an example of how we're called to live our lives. The first thing I would tell you is this. You want to know where to start? Be honest with God and just say, I don't love you. The first thing I did in my life was like, God, I don't love you. I want to love you. I just don't. And I don't even know how. And if you want to connect back to why you're here, be honest with God and tell him, help you to love. I can't control how people relate to me. All I can, all I can do is try and die for other people. It's the reason why Jesus says, yeah, it's pretty easy to love people that love you back. Try loving people who hate you. Now you want to know what God feels like? Now you want to rely on God's power to love? Do that. That's real love. I move toward Christ and say, help me love people, God, because I just can't do it on my own. You people are really hard to love. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> You're like, no. It's hard to love people. And the more you admit your, your inability to love, the more I now have to cry out to him to help me love people because I struggle. I struggle. The circle of love that was always there is getting bigger. And God is using us to invite people into it. And how do we do it? Not by bashing them over the head, but by love. By love. Jesus is creating again, and he's inviting us home again. 
home to the relationship of love that we had in the very beginning and we lost. And now he's using us to go and to invite others into that same love circle through us. Let's pray.